Today on my other podcast, Jen is hired at a prestigious law firm, but must practice as She-Hulk and rep a complicated client. Wait a minute. Holy shit. Is that Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers? Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of... Welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast, the show where I tap record and just start talking. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and here's the thing, folks, folks, I now have to get up like super early in the morning now that the school year has started back up. I have one kid now that's still going to high school, but she has a uh, a new thing going on this year where she is attending a technical college during the first half of her day, which gets her college credit while she's attending high school. And in order to get her to the high school early enough that the bus can then take her the half hour or so into the, into the next town where the, the, the tech college is located, I got to get up super early and take her in. And a few years ago, were I still working in the office, I would go directly from dropping her off at the school and, and and drive into the office and just be there early. But since I'm now working from home, I get back home and I have a couple hours before I, I have to uh, uh, start working. And I've been trying to take advantage of that. And so after I dropped her off this morning, I came home and immediately watched episode two of She-Hulk. And uh, then immediately now I'm sitting down here and giving you my thoughts, which so far, two episodes in, still loving the show, still quite enjoying it. This episode was actually eight minutes shorter than episode one, which as sad as I was when the first episode ended, I was even more sad when this episode ended. So depending on when you're listening to this episode of my other podcast, I will tell you that episode two of She-Hulk Attorney at Law was entitled Superhuman Law, and it aired on August 25th, 2022. And let me just read you from Wikipedia, the the show synopsis, and then we will uh, get into my thoughts and all that junk. In the aftermath of Titania's defeat, Walters gains a reputation as a new superhero dubbed She-Hulk by the public, much to her dismay. However, she is fired from the district attorney's office for losing the case, which her opponent, Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway, G-O-K-N-H, declared as a mistrial. After several failed attempts at finding new work, Walters is offered by Holden Holloway to work at G-L-K-N-H as the head of their new superhuman law division. Walters accepts on the condition that they also hire her best friend, Nikki Ramos, as her paralegal. On her first day, Walters learns that Holloway wants her to work as She-Hulk full-time, and her first case is to represent Emil Blonsky for his parole. Though initially reluctant to take on the case due to Blonsky's past attempt, 
Though initially reluctant to take on the case due to Blonsky's past attempt to kill her cousin, Bruce Banner, Walter agrees to meet with Blonsky in prison to hear his plea. She later contacts Bruce and also receives his blessing to represent Blonsky, unaware that Bruce is traveling in space in the Sakaran spaceship. Walters calls Holloway to accept the case, but then learns from a news report about leaked footage of Blonsky participating in an underground fight club as the abomination with Wong from Doctor Strange. That was the scene, if y'all have seen uh, Shang-Chi, that happened in, in Shang-Chi. And so we're, we're getting a bit of, or at least we're going to get a bit of how that all came to be, I'm assuming at some point during this series. So the first thing um, I wanted to note here is that we learn through like a news report at the beginning of the episode that, well, well let, let me say this real quick. When, when I was talking about episode number one last week, I said two of the things that I hope they come back to and explain to us are why the Sakaran ship was there in the first place and why Titania attacked the courtroom that Jen was in as a uh, deputy district attorney. And we learn in the beginning of this second episode from a news report that Titania is actually a uh, social media influencer, <laughs> which is kind of funny. If if you're not aware of her origins in the comic book, she actually comes from the Marvel superheroes Secret Wars miniseries, 12-issue miniseries from uh, 1985. And she uh, was a, a skinny woman named, um, I don't remember what her first name was, but they called her Skeeter. And she gets these superpowers from Doctor Doom and becomes this big, strong Titania, who's who, who again is super strong. And uh, the fact that in the MCU, I we we don't know how she got her powers in the MCU, but the fact that she is using them as a social media influencer just cracks me up. And apparently she was in uh, a different courtroom within the courthouse uh, for a hearing for a parking violation. And she just she was not happy, apparently, with the verdict and just went on a rampage. And so Jen, of course, has to change to the She-Hulk and stops um Stops Titania. And at one point, Titania throws like a desk at the jury and She-Hulk catches it and saves their lives. And that's how Holloway from GLKNH was able to declare a mistrial because the district attorney here at this point, uh, Jen Walters, saved the lives of the jury, which automatically stops them from being a fair an impartial jury. They're they're at that point going to side with the lawyer that saved their lives. So it is declared a mistrial. Now, I did watch after after watching the episode, I did watch Screen Crush, which is which 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 is a, a YouTube show with Ryan Airy. And uh he did explain in that video that a lot of this so far, as far as the the trial and well, the trial being declared a mistrial and um, what happens to Jen afterwards. A lot of that does come from Dan Slott's run in the comics, uh, which I did read the first few issues of that last year, but I, I need to get back to it. Anyway, something else that Ryan Airy pointed out was that the name of the law firm, GLKNH, the, the first three letters, Goodman, Lieber, and Kurtzberg, 
come from uh, Martin Goodman, Stan Lieber, or uh, Stan Lee. Uh, his original name was Lieber. And then Kurtzberg is the original last name of Jack the King Kirby. So because the trial, because it was declared a mistrial, Jen is fired. She, she no longer is allowed to work for the district attorney's office. She then goes on a series of job interviews at various law firms and they are not what nobody's willing to hire her because of her, you know, her outing as She-Hulk. Uh, but then she's visited by this, um, Holden Holloway, who was the, the lawyer for, uh, GLKNH, who, uh, had, well, he was, he was the uh, opposing attorney in the, the trial there that, that, um, got declared as a mistrial. He's the one that did it. And, ultimately got her fired. Well, he offers her a job to come work for them. He thinks that she will be perfect to head up their superhuman law division, which she jumps on right away. She's she's not happy that she doesn't have a job anymore. And so she accepts the position. But she says, uh, she goes, I will accept, but only if you allow me to hire my paralegal. And Holloway's like, I really don't care who your paralegal is. And so, of course, she hires her friend, Nikki Ramos. When she arrives to her new job that Monday morning, she's told that uh, she is required to do her job as the She-Hulk. Now, real quick comment on the name She-Hulk. Uh, basically, as Bruce stated in in the first episode, that that they really have no control over uh, these names that they're given because they tend to be given to them by the public, she gets her name through this this news report about what happened between her and Titania during the trial. And the the on the spot reporter is talking to a, a witness and this dude who who is trying to describe what happened has to first uh, make sure everybody understands that the the She-Hulk uh, was an attractive woman. Um I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he's he, he it was really funny uh, and very, you know, typical, I guess. You know, it's like we got to point out real quick that this that not only was this a superhero, she was pretty fine, basically. And, and the guy uh, says that the, the lawyer changed into a Hulk. He goes, but not the Hulk, kind of like a chick Hulk. And the reporter says, you mean like a she Hulk? And that's how she ends up getting her name, which. Uh, again, she's not happy about it. I knew she wouldn't be. Um, Jen Walters does not seem like the type of person who would come up with a name like She-Hulk. And, uh, I thought that, I thought that moment was pretty funny. So she's being shown around the offices of, um, GLK and H and she breaks the fourth wall at that point to talk to us, the audience, um, and give her dismay at having to be the She-Hulk all the time at this job. She's not that all that happy about it. But then she's taken to her new office, which is like a corner office with a giant window. It's like the entire back corner is all window looking out over the city. And it's it's just a huge office. And then a guy named Pug comes in with a gift basket. Pug apparently is somebody from Dan Slott's run as well. And uh, when he's giving her a gift basket, he's, he's talking about the various things in there. But my favorite part of the gift basket is something that I think everyone should be given when they start a new job. And it was a map for the best bathroom for pooping. I, I, I wanted to hug Pug at that point because as someone who is a uh, 
Not a fan of pooping in public, be it a just a regular public restroom or a restroom at the at, at where you work. Uh, it's always nice to know which bathrooms are safe for the pooping. And the way he said it, I don't know who this actor is, but the way he said it was was really funny because he he says and and then this is a map for the best bathroom for pooping. He had to he had to whisper it, which uh, I thought was was really funny. And of course, Jen and Nikki's reactions are very, you know, uh, they found that very off-putting, but they, I guess they have no problem pooping in public. Those of us who have a problem with it, yeah, um, we got that joke. We loved it. Now, as the description said, uh, Walters is then told that her first client is Emil Blonsky. Now, this goes back to the Incredible Hulk movie uh, before Mark Ruffalo was recast as the Hulk. There, there have been uh, three people so far since since they started making Hulk movies. Um, but the 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 Incredible Hulk was played by or Bruce Banner was played by Edward Norton, and that movie is canon. The the first Hulk movie just called Hulk is not canon, but the Incredible Hulk is part of MCU canon. And Emil Blonsky was a a soldier that General Thunderbolt Ross had commanded to take down Bruce Banner and the Hulk. And in order to help him do that, they started giving Blonsky injections of a version of, of the Captain America super soldier formula that the government had been developing. Now, Blonsky took it a step further and um, started taking, uh, he injected himself with some of Banner's blood. But the super soldier serum did kind of make him go a little, a little crazy. That, that, that didn't help. And so when Jen finds out that this is his, this is her new client, she originally, she, she turns it down. She says, no, it's a conflict of interest. Emil Blonsky tried to kill my cousin, Bruce Banner. Uh, Holloway doesn't seem to care and tells her that if she won't take the case, then she doesn't have a job and that maybe she should go meet with Blonsky first and then make her decision. And so she goes to the prison, the super prison where they are holding Blonsky. And he is very, uh, he seems to have reformed. He, he explained, he tells her the whole story about how he was working for the government. He, he went after Banner on orders from the U.S. government and that he ended up going a bit crazy because they were injecting him with the super soldier serum. He left out the part where he was the one that, that, uh, added Bruce Banner's blood to the mix, which is what actually turned him into the abomination. But she she listens to his story and she agrees that he's probably not as culpable as everyone else seems to think he is. And so she she's starting to lean toward rep, representing him. But she goes home first and calls Bruce to get his well under the the uh she makes it sound like she's wanting to get his thoughts on it when in actuality she's she's just calling him calling him to tell him that she's she's taking uh Blonsky on as a client. But there's a great line and another great breaking of the fourth wall at this moment when Bruce says uh in regard to his fight with Emil Blonsky that uh in which Emil tried to kill him during the Incredible Hulk. He says that fight was so many years ago. I'm a completely different person now. Literally. And that's when Jen looks at us, the audience, and goes, aha, like that. You know, it's like, it's like, by the way, 
if you're not aware, what he's trying to say is Mark Ruffalo was not playing Bruce Banner at that time. It was Edward Norton. So literally, he was not the same person. And what a great moment. I love stuff like that. And it's it's almost confusing to in in my brain to try to um, understand how a show can have a character that understands they're in a show and not be like a Mixie's Pitlick type of character, you know, and and uh, but at the same time, I love it. It just it just makes me smile. Anyway, the the show ends. The episode ends with uh, Jen calling Holloway and telling her that she's decided to take on Emil as a client. He says, great. Oh, by the way, you might want to turn on the news. And that's when she turns on the news to find out that footage of Blonsky as the abomination has been leaked to the media showing him participating in um, these illegal fight ring type things that uh, Shang-Chi was a part of that we saw in the Shang-Chi movie in which uh, Blonsky as the abomination is fighting Wong, who is now currently the Sorcerer Supreme of the MCU, only because during the blip, Doctor Strange was blipped out of existence. And so uh, Wong kind of got the position because there was nobody else, which I don't like to think of it that way because I love Wong. I think they should do a, a, a TV show uh, starring Wong. You know, I think that would be awesome. I love that character. And and uh, so I'm assuming at some point during this series, we are going to learn more about because in, in Shang-Chi, what we see is Blonsky and Wong fighting in, in a cage match. And then when the fight is over, Wong opens up one of those magic portals and takes him back to prison. So, yeah, what's that all about? And uh, I, I'm hoping that this this show answers that question. There's also a lot of talk. Blonsky uh, mentions at least twice when he's talking to Jen about seven former cellmates that he is uh, he's been in contact with and they ha have encouraged him to, you know, become the man he is now and that they have helped uh, they, they've helped to set up a place for him to live and whatnot once he's on the outside. And um, I'll be honest with you. I thought he was saying soulmates. I thought it was a joke that he had been writing uh, uh, women from prison. And he found seven different women to fall in love with him and that each one of them were were helping him to uh, to find a home when he got out. But no, it was cellmates. And I, I learned that from, again, watching Screen Crush with Ryan Airy because his theory uh, regarding regarding those two comments each time he mentioned his seven former cellmates is that this is going to be this is hinting at uh, the fact that. Um, the Abomination will be part of the Thunderbolts, which was originally a comic book about a group of supervillains posing as good guys um, after the Avengers got sucked into that pocket universe during the, the Heroes Reborn fiasco. It was a Kurt Busick book with art by Mark Bagley. I don't think I read it. It was during the time I was reading comics, but I don't know if I ended up reading it because I was not in, you know, I didn't, it didn't look all that appealing to me. And then of course you find out that they're all criminals. Uh, the, the main guy was, was Baron Zemo and um, the beetle was, was one of them and, and, and whatnot. And then 
eventually a lot of these characters, um, they, they did a, a version of the Avengers called the Dark Avengers, which came out of Secret Invasion, which took some of these super criminals and made them versions of like Captain America and Wolverine and, and blah, 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 blah. And so the, the theory here is that the Thunderbolts movie, I think it's going to be a movie. I don't think it's going to be a show. The Thunderbolts movie is going to be kind of a combination of that. It's basically going to be a group of it's I, I, I almost compare it to DC's Suicide Squad. It's a group of superpowered criminals working for the government. And we saw a bit in um, the end. Well, in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier with U.S. Agent and the end of the Black Widow movie where Julia Louise Dreyfus um, appears to be recruiting people for, for, for some type of group. And, and, and the, the assumption, the theory at this point is that they will be part of the, the Thunderbolts, which just based on the information we have so far appears uh, to be made up of U.S. agent, the, the new Black Widow, and the Abomination so far. But I'm really interested to find out why uh, Wong had some kind of agreement with the abomination to break him out of prison, fight him in a, in a, in a cage match, and then bring him back. And we know that Wong is going to show up in one of these episodes eventually. And uh, frankly, at this point, I'm wondering how Daredevil fits into all of this. Um, but gosh darn it, it's, it's, such a, it's, it's so good. It's such a good show. And then um, I also mentioned in the previous episode that I hope that they answer the question about the Sakaran spaceship. And they kind of do in this one when we learn that when Bruce and Jen are talking on the phone about Blonsky, that Bruce is on this Sakaran ship and they're out in space. And so obviously the ship was there to retrieve him for some reason. Again, Ryan Aries theory. I, I keep having to lean toward the theories as posed on screen crush because I'm not I'm not good at that kind of stuff. But uh, his theory is, is that this is the lead in to World War Hulk. Um, which was a mini series that came out of Planet Hulk, uh, which was a storyline that ran through the the Hulk comic. Um, World War Hulk was its own standalone outside of the Hulk comic, but um, the whole thing in uh, Thor Ragnarok, where the Hulk is on this junk planet Sakaar as a gladiator for two years, comes out of Planet Hulk where he is shot into space by the Marvel Comics uh, Illuminati made up of characters like Reed Richards and the Black Panther and Iron Man. Uh, who else is in there? Professor X, Namor the Submariner, Black Bolt. We kind of saw a version of that in the second Doctor Strange movie in one of the alternate Earth places. Uh, but he's shot into space. He lands on this planet. Uh, there's something about the planet that kind of cuts his strength in half. He is captured by these aliens and forced to fight in this gladiatorial arena. And he ends up um, fighting back against the oppression of this, what is basically a dictatorship, fascist state on this planet. And he ends up being the ruler. And he learns that he 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 had not known at this point well, maybe he did know why he was shot, who shot him into space, but he, he falls in love on this planet and he gets married. And then the, the ship 
that took him there that the Illuminati sent him off uh, into space in blows up with his wife on it and kills her. And he assumes it's it's a big thing. He assumes that the Illuminati triggered that as a as a backup to to keep him away from Earth. And so then he comes to Earth to uh, wage war upon the Illuminati. And thus we have World War Hulk. So it'll be interesting to see how this all comes into play, because one of the thing that's one of the things that happens during uh, Planet Hulk is that he has a child uh, with this alien woman that the child uh, eventually becomes a part of the Hulk comics for a while. And his name is Scar. And he's kind of like a Conan, like a if you took Conan and the Hulk and you mixed them together, you'd have Scar. And so there's a uh, there's no reason why during the two years in the MCU, while the Hulk was on Sakaar, that he may not have, you know, there's it's very possible he sired a child. And thus we we're going to get Scar in in World War Hulk. And that's that's a, there's been a rumor about a movie or a possible TV show about World War Hulk. And um, this appear, apparently him, uh, the Hulk being on the Sakaaran spaceship. Uh, is the lead into that. And I wouldn't be surprised at this point if for the rest of the She-Hulk for, you know, the, the, the next six episodes that make up this first season that we, we don't visit this at all. We don't revisit Bruce. We don't see Bruce at all in the rest of the show. And we don't hear anything else about the Sakaran spaceship that, that that's just, that's all we're going to get. And it'll come into play when the whole world war Hulk thing finally rears its head uh anyway again another great freaking episode um totally loving this show i totally uh this 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 uh tatiana mislani i believe that's how you say her name tatiana mislani she's she plays jen love her not sure what she's done before i remember my wife asking uh who who is this that plays she hulk is this a known actress and i i said i've never heard of her before uh, that doesn't mean she's not known. It just means that I've never heard of her. Looking at her Wikipedia page, uh, she was she's known for being an orphan black, which I've never watched. So yeah, that's why she's not known to me. But I'm not sure what else I want to say about this show. It's it's it, it's again it, it's a great show. I love the fact um, that they did go humorous with this. I know that the MCU tends to lean toward humor a lot. Uh, but they also do the drama very well. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting more Titania. I'm looking forward to finally uh, seeing Daredevil in this show and seeing what they're going to do with him because he's apparently going to be in his red and yellow costume. It's going to be very reminiscent of the red suit that he wore in the Netflix show, but there's going to be a lot of yellow elements to it to harken back to his original uh, 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 suit in the comic books. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing this whole, what this whole Wong abomination connection is and, uh, discovering what the, uh, the big bad, the big, the big, uh, story element, the big, uh, um, you know, cause these aren't one-off episodes. There's, 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 there's an arc. There's going to be an arc. There's going to be a big bad guy that she's going to have to go up against at some point. And maybe that's the abomination Maybe we're going to start to see the uh, Thunderbolts being put together, maybe, in this show. I don't know. I just know that it's so far two episodes in. It's a wonderful show. And Thursday is now my favorite day of the week and will be at least for the next six weeks, unless they do something completely horrible 
and ruin my taste for the show. Uh, but oh, 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 yeah, I have to say. Um, so, all right, there's the moment in the show where Jen uh, goes to have dinner with her family. And it's not just her mom and her dad. It looks like her aunt and uncle are there. She's got at least one cousin there whose name is Ched. And here's the thing. I watch everything on TV now, whether it's movies or TV shows with the freaking subtitles on. It's just something that I've kind of gotten used to in my old age. And uh, were it not for the subtitles, I would assume or would have assumed that her cousin's name was Chad, C-H-A-D. But it's Ched, C-H-E-D. And he's kind of a long haired bum who uh, is really proud about, you know, he, he works at the Best Buy. He he seems like a funny character. Uh, but the thing that really kind of threw me through, the, through a loop and made me love this show even more is her dad. There was something about her dad that was tugging on the old nostalgic memory heartstrings. And then it just freaking hit me that her dad is Mark Lynn Baker, who played Larry Appleton in the 80s sitcom Perfect Strangers, where um, Bronson Pinchot, I, I, I don't know if I ever pronounced that dude's name correctly. He, he uh, Balky Bartokomus, who comes from some uh, Eastern Bloc foreign land, uh, comes to New York to, to, to live the American experience and just kind of shows up on Larry Appleton's doorstep. And it's like, I, you know, you're my cousin, Larry, Larry Appleton. And, and it's to show about, uh, them, them two living together. And, uh, I used to watch it all the time. And, uh, it was really, I don't know that I've seen him in anything since then. And, uh, here he was playing this, uh, this, this, this father who, uh, during the post credit scenes, uh, scene, has Jen as She-Hulk doing a lot of the heavy lifting around the house, hanging the TV on the wall, carrying in a bunch of big um, oversized bottles of of water for like a water cooler and junk like that, lifting up the back of the car so that Ched can change the, the, the tire. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed her family. And I hope they become a, a bigger part of the show. There's There's like a moment where her mother is telling her how she was talking to this young man who who runs this hot dog cart or something. And and Jen says, please don't set me up with anybody. And, you know, that's typically what happens in these mother-daughter conversations like that. And their mother says, oh, no, I, I wouldn't do that. He's too young for you. But he's interested in becoming a superhero. And so I told him my daughter is a superhero. And I gave him your phone number. And uh, kind of like it's kind of like the, the superhero twist to the mom giving out her daughter's phone number to strangers that think that she thinks, you know, may one day marry her daughter. Uh, really enjoyed that. And again, the father played by Mark Lynn Baker loved him, uh, as well. He asks her at one point, um, about that Hawkeye guy and, uh, whether or not he picks up all the arrows that he, he fires, you know, does he leave them lying around? Cause potentially they could be very dangerous and, and uh, uh, love that, love that kind of stuff. It was a great scene with her and her family, and and uh, I hope they include more of that. Um, but yeah, that's I don't know what else to say, folks. It was a great show. What do you think about it? You can send me an email at Stephen or else at gmail.com or at uh, just another fanboy at gmail.com. Or you can join us over at the forums, or you can catch me over on Twitter at Stephen or else, or you know whatever. Just uh, hit me up. Tell me what you're thinking. And uh, maybe I will uh, share your thoughts in a future episode. Until then, folks, that's it. I'm out. 
See ya. Baby.